It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Bird Gang Blitz. I uh, don't know if it's going to be evening when you're going to be hearing this, but uh, it is for us. And uh, my name is Blake, and joined as always by my co-host, Venerable John Venerable. Johnny, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Blake, and what a week and weekend it was. This is essentially a, a victory week for the Arizona Cardinals. We don't get too many of these these days, so it's uh, a rare occurrence nonetheless. No, for sure. No, I mean, perhaps when you're going up against the likes of Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer and C.J. Beathard and Blake Bortles, maybe it's a little bit more of a chance you're going to win those games. But still, it's been a, it's been a rough season for the Cards. Um, let's go and talk about this victory because for you and me, it kind of caught us both a little bit off guard, I think, as far as we were predicting that it was either going to be kind of a clear Cardinals loss, maybe you'd get into blowout territory, but uh, the team came out and played uh, maybe the first time of the year uh, pretty efficient in all three phases of the game. What was your first impressions of the game? My first impression was the fact that this team clearly plays better at home than on the road. You look at a lot of their losses to start the season, losing at Detroit, losing at Philadelphia, um, you know, essentially losing on the road in London, which is essentially a road game losing at Houston last week against, you know, an underperforming uh, Texans team with, with Tom Savage. So uh, they come home, they've got three straight home games. And really the Jacksonville Jaguars have essentially been playing this season with house money each and every week. They probably should have two or three more losses as is because of the fact that they are so limited offensively. Uh, but again, we touched on it a week ago in our preview how dominating this defense was. So even if the offense was stagnant, you thought just enough plays from Blake Bortles, the running game with Leonard Fournette, he's supposedly back at 100%, and then the defense would stifle Blaine Gabbert and the Cardinals' running game was so anemic a week ago. Um, we didn't think it would be close. I didn't think it would be close. Um, and then you just got a feeling after the first quarter that you know the Cardinal defense got the message from the Houston game that, you're too talented to play, you know, this kind of football week in and week out. Still didn't play a perfect game, but, you know, on the scoreboard, other than the fumble return for a touchdown, you, the defense only accounted for 17 points allowed. And the Jaguars have been one of the better offensive teams this year in terms of points per game. Now a lot of that comes via special teams, and they've got just an unheardly amount of defensive touchdowns this season. Um, but at the same time, this was a team that was 7-3, and three, that is playoff bound, whether they win the division or a wild card team. And with a defense that, that, you know, sports the likes of Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack and obviously Calais Campbell and some of the other young guys that they're bringing up, it was a game I expected the Cardinals to lose. But as I sit here um, several days later and having processed that, that game, the Cardinals are going to be a tough out at home under Bruce Arians, no matter whom they play assuming that this team doesn't lose any more, you know, key players, especially on defense. As long as Patrick Peterson's healthy, Tyron Matthew looks great now. Um, Chandler Jones obviously should be in the running for, if not defensive player of the year on the all-pro team, 
So again, I, I didn't expect them to pull it out, especially when they got, um, you know, that fourth quarter deficit. I know it was only 17, 16, uh, but you know, I'll give this team credit, especially Blaine Gammert. We'll touch on his play. Um, it was a nice win for the Cardinals. It makes me think that, you know, four and 12 was a realistic, you know, outcome for this team, the way they had been playing. Uh, now with the fact that they have a decent amount of home games at the end of the season, some of the teams that they're playing, i.e. the New York Giants later in the year, um, are not great, needless to say. I think the Cardinals can scratch and claw to seven or eight wins now, um, just based on the fact that they look so competent against a playoff team in Jacksonville. It was nice to see. Yeah, no, uh, just seeing that type of game from Adrian Peterson where it wasn't a huge, um, incredible game from him. It wasn't a terrible uh, game where you saw only about, you know, 17 carries for 25 yards, just a poor performance. It was kind of the average middle-of-the-road game. He got 4.0 yards per carry, grinded out a lot of it. Um, The Cardinals offensive line did a great job of not letting up pressure on Blaine Galbert. Uh, Overall, it was kind of a, a total team win, you can say, even having to come back down from behind after turning the ball over and just feeling like the that the Jaguars had given uh, the opportunity to win the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, you got to see a huge clutch catch from DJ Foster at the very end, some terrible offensive management from the Jaguars. Uh, we might see a DJ Foster more moving forward. We're also likely going to see him uh, potentially in an even more expanded role next week because Adrian Peterson suffered a neck injury in the game. Bruce Aaron says he's not sure exactly who his running back is going to be. Uh, talk a little bit about the rest of the offensive performance, especially just why the Cardinals are able to run the ball, uh, the job DJ Foster did, and what kind of impact you think he'll be able to have for the Cardinals moving forward. Yeah, it was one of those games for AP that he really earned you know, his stripes with Cardinal fans with you know, 20 carries for just under 80 yards, four yards per carry. Uh, not going to, you know, explode off the stat sheet, not going to make any highlight reels. But at the same time, it kept the Jacksonville defense honest. Um, a lot of his yards were after contact, tough yards. So you got to give him credit because outside of the Tampa game, <clears throat> excuse me, it has been, you know, tough sledding with this offensive line that's essentially makeshift. Now, you know, with Alex Boone, who wasn't a projected starter this, to start the season, Earl Watford wasn't supposed to start. Gerald Vildier was supposed to be your right tackle. Um, so you look at the fact that this team, when they're able to establish some sort of a running game uh, and have a little bit of success, uh, you know, the offense seems to be a little bit more stable. Uh, they were able to run the ball for over 100 yards. Um, and then just the offense in general with Blaine Gambert as your quarterback, you're going to need some semblance of a running game because obviously Blaine, we know, limited in what he can do, cannot win games by himself. But I'm encouraged that the, that the offensive line held up as well as it did. Uh, a lot of that was based on the fact that you know, Blaine Gabbert, for what he is, offers something that this team has not had I, really since Kevin Cobb, but even before that, the fact that this, this young man has mobility for days. He's one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I always – when we, whenever we would play San Francisco, the Cardinals, and Blaine would be their quarterback, it seemed like when the games were competitive, uh, it was because Blaine was making plays with his feet. I remember a specific play in Chicago with the Niners a couple years ago with Blaine Gabbert, and he took off scrambling um, for you know a key first down, and they actually went on the road and beat Chicago, a bad Niners team. I don't know why that sticks in my head, but you know I can just appreciate the fact that 
know, Blaine's not going to make the prototypical Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger play where you, he spins out of a tackle and he runs outside the pocket and he makes a laser throw on the run for a first down or a touchdown. But what Blake Bortles can do is he's able to avoid pressure and run out of bounds and take, you know, a one-yard gain that should have been a seven, eight-yard sack for a loss and that's essentially a drive killer in this league. When you give up a sack and you're as limited as the Cardinals are offensively, you've got no margin for error. And that essentially turns into, you know, a punting situation. And that's what this team had with, with Palmer and, you know, for the better part of Drew Stanton, although he is slightly more mobile than Palmer. But Carson was a statue in the pocket. And um, that's not a knock on Carson. That's just who he's been throughout the duration of his career. And so Blaine, along with this offensive line, to be able to step up uh, and specifically, you know, make plays. Uh, I can think of the, t- the long touchdown to, to Jerron Brown, uh, where he was able to elude, you know, an incoming defender that was essentially unblocked and make that throw. Uh, and then the fact that, you know, some of the other running backs are going to have to step up this week and compliment Blaine. Uh, I'm not sure if they can do it. In all honesty, DJ Foster, you know, only had one carry in this game. Kerwin Williams has got some busted up ribs. So, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they tried to essentially tweak their offense a little bit this week against a, you know, a dominating Rams front four, dominating Rams front seven with Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald and just a ton of quality players. They're going to have to find some sort of an offensive identity outside of Blaine, hopefully not throwing, you know, 40 or 50 passes. But it'll be interesting to say the least. DJ Foster looked good, especially in the passing game, but can he sustain – you know, 10 to 15 carries and give the Cardinals the production that they need. I'm not sure, but I'm anxious to find out. Yeah, I'm anxious to find out too, because Foster's impact in the passing game, uh, there was that last end of the game catch that he made, uh, was very reminiscent of what Andre Ellington made in 2013. Uh, Just a toe tapping, sideline grab, Gabbard uh, rolled out at least and had just a very impressive throw on the run. It gives you the feeling that this is a guy who, because of how the as you're talking about the mobility because of some of the youth because of just the fact that he has a chip on his shoulder and has been driven he's especially driven to beat his former team uh this week you, you won't hear that but just all of the people in the locker room the media are all talking about how he was definitely driven you've got a guy who if you're looking for a quarterback in 2018 you can at least say that as long as he doesn't end up you know playing to the level where Perhaps you start seeing like questions if the Cardinals will keep me on. I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, there's probably going to be some type of ceiling. It'll probably be high-level backup. But he's playing to the case where you can at least say going into 2018, you'll have that box checked for quarterback if you're going to be making a priority to bring back. Because Carson Palmer, originally we talked about this, Cardinals might have had Palmer retire at the end of the year. Seems more likely now they'll move, they'll move on even should he choose not to retire. Uh, Drew Stanton wasn't under contract. Blaine Gabbert was on one year. You're starting to see that you at least are going to have that box checked going into 2018, which I think will be able to at least help. And you now know you can win a game with Blaine Gabbert if you need to, if you have the team around him. He did step up and made some great throws, including that long, deep pass to Jerron Brown, which I believe was the longest pass that had been completed on the Jaguars' second during the year. It wasn't all roses, though. You had uh, some pros and cons. You know, you had some cons. He had two turnovers uh, for the second week in a row. Both were in the fourth quarter and kind of really, really clutch situations, one of them being where he was backed up on his own goal line, uh, doesn't see anyone open, starts to run around scramble, and it just opened the door for a Jags defender. Of course, Clayus Campbell happened to be the one who had to pick up the ball there. And then you got to see also late in the game when the Cardinals are trying to get back into it, you 
threw into double coverage. Barry Church comes away with a great interception. And if it wasn't for the play of Tyron Matthew, who might be looking at the Jaguars driving down, getting another field goal, and perhaps even getting a touchdown in that situation uh, versus Arizona having to be able to kind of go for the, the win at the end of the game. So there's been kind of some areas where you're seeing that it's kind of the whole Blaine Gabbert experience. It's definitely a huge mark of improvement from where he was. But is there anything that Blaine Gabbert can do, you think, that will prove at least to you this season that he could be that quarterback of the future, that maybe you're not looking at bringing in a quarterback? Is there anything that Blaine Gabbert could do to show that he could be that guy? Or do you think the Cardinals should still go in with into the draft with quarterback is a big need. We need to address this one as early as the first round. What are your thoughts on the quarterback of the future and Blaine Gabbert? Well, as you know, Blake, it's my favorite topic because it, it keeps being pushed back year after year, off season after off season um, with this front office. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to throw a cold water on a lot of the uh, local media in Arizona that for whatever reason want to tout Blaine Gabbard is the answer heading into 2018 that the fact that this team can win with him. And I do agree that, you know, in a perfect world, if the roster is loaded like it was in 2015, I think Blaine could have you know, a Case Keenum-like run that we're seeing in Minnesota. But there are limitations to that. There's also limitations to having your roster peak in specific spots for a prolonged period of time. We know Steve Kime has limitations. He's not going to hit on every player. Every free agent's not going to work out. So you can't be expected to have a loaded roster like Minnesota has now year in and year out. It's just not realistic. The Cardinals, outside of Kurt Warner for a window of about two years, have never had a franchise quarterback that, w- that was able to carry them week in and week out Sunday, you know, from August until January. It's never happened. I love Carson Palmer. I love what he's done for this franchise and the fact that they were able to acquire him for a six-round pick. Carson was who he was. He was a guy who completed, you know, just over 60% of his passes, who was in mobile, who has a career passer rating of around 90 and somebody, when the pieces were perfect, could have a chance to take you to the Super Bowl and maybe win a Super Bowl. But he's not that kind of quarterback, neither is Blaine Gabbert, neither is Drew Stanton, that is going to be able to elevate this roster to where it needs to go when you have down years. He's not going to be able to do what, I hate to say it, Russell Wilson's doing in Seattle. And so you find those guys in the draft and you develop them within your system and you get a guy on a rookie contract so where you can go out and spend some money. Um, Blaine, I think even if, if he were to win out these last five games and the Cardinals were to somehow get into the postseason at 10 and six, yeah, I think it would be brought back on a one or two year deal, but he's not going to be given any kind of insurance that he's going to be the franchise guy. He's not going to get, you know, Kirk cousins money in the off season for essentially playing a third of the season. Um, so I, I just don't think there's enough time. I think that given Blaine's, you know, previous, you know, faults within this league, the regime that he had under the Jacksonville and and San Francisco. It's unfortunate because we saw what happened with Jared Goff. The fact that he was essentially a year away from being Harold as a bust and they, they completely redo their coaching staff. They upgrade it, you know, left tackle and center, get some new wide receivers. And then McFay's had made the biggest difference. You know, who's to say that Blaine wouldn't have had that same scenario happen to him. He was not as talented as Jared Goff, but you can see the talent's there. He's mobile. He's got a big arm. uh, He's accurate when he wants to be. Um, It's just unfortunate. I think the time has passed for him to be considered a franchise guy. But, hell, yeah, I'm I'm keeping him around as my backup. I know he can win games. Uh, If Arians sticks around, 
you know, fingers crossed, if Arians decides that he wants to continue coaching and it's, it's not a year-to-year thing, Blaine is the perfect guy, assuming he's comfortable with the offense now, to be your new Drew Stanton. But I think he's got a higher ceiling than Drew Stanton did as your backup quarterback. But I, I just – I don't think there's anything he could do outside of miraculously taking this team on a deep playoff run and, and proving to, the, to everyone, national media, local media, fans, this front office, that, that, that he can be the guy. I just, it's too late in his career, and it's too late in the Cardinals' season. The Cardinals need to stick with what they're doing now, play Blaine the rest of the season, which you and I said was the smart move, go into this offseason, ignore all of the free agent quarterbacks because that's going to be enticing. Uh, Kirk Cousins, some of these other guys that are having big seasons – Eli uh, I, Manning, I, potentially. He, That's how yeah. I've even heard that name spit out, which Absolute. is Carson 2.0. Yeah, and he's 36, so don't even get me started on that. Um, and I actually think Carson's had you know a better career in the regular season. But needless to say, keep your eye on April. Keep your eye on the young guys coming out. Hope that the Cardinals you know, are able to win a couple games but not push themselves out of a position where Steve Keim can still make a maneuver in the first round to get a Baker Mayfield, a Lamar Jackson, and move on. Um, but again, Blaine, I'm rooting for you. I want you to do well, but you know, it's not meant to be where you're going to be with this franchise for the next five to seven years. Yeah. It depends on what Blaine wants to get out of it too. Cause if Blaine ends up wanting to just kind of take the, and this is something about with the NFL, you, you never know. There's guys who are like Carlos stands being blessed them because they're going to do what's best for them. It's a mercenary league. But I think if you look at the situation and part of why Blaine agreed to this part of why the Cardinals were uh, fine with, you know, using up an extra roster spot in the third quarterback all throughout the year when it would have been um, probably advantageous to keep that spot open for a guy was because they saw that there was no risk for that signing. They saw that there was no risk to be able to keep him on there, and you're starting to see some of the fruit. So you can kind of chalk one up to Steve Kine because imagine if you're going into this week talking about having Matt Barkley as your starter. I mean, maybe you'd be looking at tanking faster for a quarterback, but you certainly wouldn't be wanting to watch any of these Cardinals games. Now this is something that's entertaining. You're seeing um, also growth on Bruce Arians, and that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit is how – with Carson Palmer and Drew Stanton, they were similar in the fact of that they had strong arms. They love pushing downfield vertical routes. Um, they were very, very good uh, as far as for making sure on third down they're finding intermediate. Lane Gabbard's very different. He's not an outside thrower as much, and he's only really had about like one or two deep shots that you've seen with the team, one of them being the Jerron Brown touchdown, which was basically a wide-open shot. It was just a blown coverage on there, and he made some plays with his legs to get open. It's interesting, it was just showing off some of the arm strength. He actually even, like, after he threw the ball, he threw it almost from a one-footed platform and then kind of ducked out of the way of an oncoming pass rusher. Um, the old Blaine Gabbert would have just kind of clutched the ball and tucked it down, but the new Blaine Gabbert at least seems to be understanding and realizing he's got nothing left to lose. And I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing some of the success. But we do have to credit Bruce Arians because he's adjusted the offense to Gabbert's strengths. We're seeing – uh, a lot more of the tight end usage. We're seeing a lot more of the across the intermediate and short routes. Um, we're seeing them use some of Gabbert's mobility. There's just a huge difference. And this is kind of when you talk about the difference between Bruce Arians and Ken Wisenhunt. It's just that Bruce can be stubborn, but he's not stupid. Bruce understands at least the way to develop and work with quarterbacks is by adjusting to their strengths, by adjusting the offense to their fit. And as a result, he's gotten some very, very solid play out of his third string quarterback. And I think that's something that's uh, important to see is also the the adjustments that they've made as far as for finding new players. You see Ricky Seals-Jones had another touchdown. Looks like he's starting to blossom into a mismatch 
uh, in the NFL where he's able to exploit matchups. You start seeing DJ Foster get more involved in the offense. It's just, it's a very different Cardinals team. You're getting a look at just a lot of the young guys making plays uh, with, especially with Tara and Matthew turning back around. That's been something that's been interesting to kind of point out is that the team's defense has had a very, very different look with Matthew involved. So I think that's going to be uh, the biggest thing going forward, at least is when we're starting to look at the quarterbacks moving uh, into the draft, maybe we are overestimating some of Bruce Arians likes and dislikes for a quarterback. Maybe we're are thinking that he would prefer to have like, you know, the Sam Darnolds, the Josh Allen type of the world, maybe even a Josh Rosen as far as for the size, arm strength, the talent. But perhaps it's not too outlandish to think that they could bring in a Mayfield or a Jackson. He'd be able to adjust to their strengths because that's what good coaches do. And Steve kind of targets those guys. Maybe you end up starting to see that the 2018 Cardinals, maybe there's not as much of a complete cutting of ties with Bruce Arians. Maybe it is going to be an area where you get another season or two out of him. So uh, I, I think that'll be uh, something important to watch forward. So we're going to take a break for you for a minute. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about the defense stepping up in this game and uh, about the Honey Badger. Uh, what's his future going to be in Arizona with him doing better from week to week? That'll be next here on the Bird Gang Blitz. Hey, sports fans. Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hey, sports fans. Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. And we're back on the Bird Gang Blitz. Uh, let's talk about the defense, John, because uh, Tyron Matthew had arguably the play of the game in the situation. Uh, this uh, kind of incredible reading diagnosing of the defense, uh, of, excuse me, of the offense of Blaine Galbert, uh, making a very Troy Polamalu-like grab. Uh, as I was described, but how did Tyron's play impact this game? And has he kind of maybe not redeemed himself for the early starts, but what do you think is his role moving forward with the team? Or is this going to be something where we're still talking about him being a cap casualty at the end of the year? Well, let's start with this Sunday's pass play and the fact that 
you know, he stepped in, made that interception, and that's why the Cardinals won this game. You mentioned it. Had, had the Jaguars continued to drive, they're, they're going to put that game out of reach for the Cardinals to come back. He had three passes defended on the day at a tackle for loss. Uh, he's been tremendous recently uh, in the box, making plays. Uh, still has a little ways to go in terms of, you know, um, catching up to receivers with that makeup speed that he used to have prior to, you know, the two knee surgeries. But I will say that <clears throat> he looks like the player or is getting close to looking like the player that we saw from 2013 to 2015. And if that continues, which I expect it does, uh, he's going to be under contract with the Cardinals next season and hopefully throughout the duration of his contract. He's only 25 years old. He signed that contract, uh, I believe it was this past offseason or two offseasons ago. That's a bad look for Steve Kime, and I've talked about this before. That's a bad look for your current players like Marcus Golden, Dayon Buchanan, David Johnson, who are all due contracts in the upcoming offseason or two. It's a bad look for incoming free agents who want to part- play for the Cardinals, who are interested if Steve Kime – you know, Tyron is producing. It's not like he's injured again. He's getting better as the season goes on. He had a slow start to the season. But, you know, frankly, there's been a lot of guys that underperformed this season. Mike Upati's not playing. Jared Vildiger had a brutal first month of the season. Carson Palmer is collecting checks for being, you know, on injured reserve for the second time in four years. Uh, it happens. But with Tyron, the fact that he means so much to the city and this team, the fact that now you can envision a secondary with Patrick Peterson and an all-pro level – Buda Baker, who should be in the running for a defensive rookie of the year had he played all season. And then Tyron Matthew. I mean, you had a solid to good corner in this offseason. That's one of the best secondaries in football. So I don't I think a lot of that talk about, you know, cutting ties with Tyron Matthew, trading him, you know, asking him to take a pay cut. I think that was more media driven. I think that was more let's find somebody to put a blame on. We've talked about schematically. I'm not always sure he's put in the best position to succeed. Uh, it's easy for us on our couches to criticize, well, he got beat by the slot receiver. That must have been his man where potentially maybe he was supposed to have help from a safety. Uh, those kind of things, we just don't know. Uh, but he's making plays now. It's obvious he's feeling comfortable. Assuming he stays healthy, I expect a big finish to him, um, to, him to end the season. Uh, I think that you know, he's got a nice matchup this weekend against Cooper Cup. That's going to show us a lot if he's able to play the slot and, and dominate that young man who's, who's had a nice start to his NFL career with the, with the L.A. Rams. But right now, I think that the Honey Manager is safe in Arizona for at least another season, and uh, he's a favorite of Steve Kimes, and don't forget that he is. He, he rewarded Steve Kimes with this play and uh, helped him earn you know, GM of the year that first season. So uh, he's not going anywhere, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll all depend on his health, of course. Like, if you end up looking at another major injury, then sometimes it's just going to be bad luck. But he's just had two of those injuries coming in. He'd never been injured before. This isn't a guy who'd really been uh, as injury-prone. ACLs, there's a history, at least, as far as for if you do get an ACL on one knee, you're much more likely to tear it again or on the opposite knee. That was certainly one of the concerns we have with Carson Palmer coming off of that 2014 year and part of why the Cardinals had low to little expectations coming in. I think with Matthew, it's something that when you look at the personality and him coming into camp, you can see a lot of it's been related to his confidence. Uh, a lot of it was where you could see him making some of those plays in camp, but it just wasn't translating to game day. Uh, you were able to see him kind of get B. A lot of it was just kind of the confidence. And slowly but surely, I think that it's more of recognizing, I can do this, I can get back. And it's part of that is his human nature. Uh, at times, we can forget that these football players are humans too. And 
I do agree with you that the, I don't know how much of it's media driven or how much of it was just recognizing that it was really just not good play. We were getting from Tyron Matthew as far as for, especially in coverage. Now you get to see uh, covering deep routes, stride for stride in the Jaguars game, uh, making plays on the ball. It just feels like it's the approaching, getting close to the old honey badger. And I think it's been more of just a process for him getting back. And so this is something that goes into when we talk about scouting, we talk about not jumping to conclusions um, too quickly. Sometimes you always have maybe a three year rule. It's been almost a, it's the middle of his second year right now for since the injury. Sometimes it's just about having patience with some of the different players and recognizing that it's the same with coaches too. If you gave up on sometimes a coach too soon, like how the Browns would go through maybe a coach a year, it seems at times, sometimes you can, just have that setback, you know. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, coming into the game, Calais Campbell was kind of the guy who had been brought up from the Jaguars as far as leading the league in sacks, maybe a defensive player of the year approach. And yet coming out of the game, outside of Calais's scoop fumble for recovery, which he was in a great position to get that, didn't even really get the pressure in that situation, everyone was raving about Chandler Jones. He got two sacks, five tackles for loss. He was blowing up play after play, looked unstoppable. Uh, this has just been one of the premier moves that Steve Kime has made. You're talking about a guy who's playing at an elite level, uh, maybe top two, if you want to put in a guy like Everson Griffin, uh, if J.J. Watt's healthy. He's playing at just such an elite level right now. And he got him for a second-round pick and basically just cutting Jonathan Cooper. I mean, this has just turned into a – Great deal by Steve Kime. Even with paying him the money, they got him a little below market value. What did Chandler Jones mean to this team? Like, what are we kind of looking at the type of player here, at least from his production? This is, with him, him and Patrick Peterson, this is like really, really high-level stuff. Well, he's going to make his second Pro Bowl in as many seasons with, with the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, I floated this out on Twitter the other day, but it's not crazy to think about. If he continues on this path, he's going to be a candidate for, you know, a ring of honor spot in the Arizona Cardinals, you know, stadium when he's all said and done. I mean, how many, how many Cardinals, I'm not sure, are in the ring of honor right now, but if he puts up, you know, three or four more solid seasons, the Cardinals gets a couple more Pro Bowl nods, that's usually enough to get yourself into that category. The Cardinals have never had a pass rusher like this outside of Simeon Rice. It's been a position that's plagued this franchise along with left tackle and quarterback throughout the duration of this franchise's history. And I remember when the move got made, I said, that's a great trade, even though it's with the Patriots, so you're always going to raise an eyebrow. What does Bill Belichick know uh, that we don't? What's going to come out? And so it was a risky move for Steve, but I think it was a risky move that has paid off in, in twofold. Uh, it's allowed him to be flexible at the rest of his roster and the rest of his draft picks, and it's allowed other guys to be successful. We saw what having Chandler Jones on one side did for Marcus Golden a year ago. It's unfortunate that – you know, some of the other guys, Kareem Martin, Hassan Reddick, haven't been able to take advantage. But you think about, he gets double team, it doesn't matter. He threw Leonard Fournette, who is probably, you know, the best power running back in the NFL going right now, behind the line of scrimmage for a loss like he was a ragdoll and was essentially a non-factor in that game. I mean, he sets the tone for this team. He's a freak athlete. Um, I'm sure Patriot fans um, would tell you that you know it's a move that they should have never made, even though they were able to win the Super Bowl last year without him. Uh, they haven't found a competent pass rusher since he's left. And not only is he competent, he is in, he should be in consideration for defensive player of the year. I think he's going to end up leading the league in sacks, but with the average to below average play from the Cardinals defense, that's just not realistic for, for 2017. Um, but at the same point, uh, he's going to be um, right there on the all-pro team with, like you mentioned, Everson Griffin, um, and again, you hope that along with Patrick Peterson, 
Cardinals are able to turn this thing around, find a franchise quarterback, and get competitive again soon because you don't want to waste prime years of a guy's career. Now, I will say, pass rushers age well. We saw what Dwight Freeney did for, did for this team in his 30s. He's still playing now. He's on the Lions, and I think he's 35. Uh, Chandler Jones is in his mid-20s. Uh, I think he's got at least three to four more peak years left. And as long as you keep, you know, competent players around him, you've got a, a scheme that fits hit what he's, you know, best at. He's not going to lose his length, uh, and he is a power rusher. So the Cardinals are, you know, very fortunate that they were able to acquire him. I think on the open market now, you know, he'd be the highest paid defender hands down if he was a free agent uh, this coming offseason. Pass rushers like him. Uh, they don't come around all that often, and, and we're very thankful that he's able to realize his potential in Arizona, and he's grown up as, as an individual, and he's somebody that the Cardinals hopefully will continue to build around because, again, do not waste his potential because we've seen what he can do, and I would love to see him you know, in, in a position to play in meaningful postseason games with this franchise. Man, what a difference he would have made in that 2015-16 playoff game oh, in man. Carolina. That's the kind of player that they were lacking. They were trotting out, you know, street free agents in that off in that um, postseason, and so yeah, he's he came a year too late. But hopefully, we're able to to redeem, you know, the the acquisition from a standpoint of being competitive again. Yeah, and you got him in the prime of his career, and the the time in the era era for him is perfect. It was Simeon Rice. The Cardinals had him from '96 to 2000. It was a different type of league. He didn't throw the ball nearly as much. Rice was a liability against the run. Chandler Jones has really just grown up and matured against the run in a lot of ways. Like most of those tackles for loss were on Leonard Fournette. Uh, it was one that was just like almost suplexing him. It was just he was a man out of his mind, and it was just impressive to be able to see that. It, just win a game where I think all the attention was given to Calais Campbell. He just went and said, nope, this is my game. He took it over, and he was probably one of the biggest uh, reasons why the Cardinals won that game at the end. Uh, one thing I think that's interesting to point out as far as when it comes to Belichick and the trade, um, there's a thing I remember reading at least before the trade happened from a uh, friend, Anthony Chiato. Uh, he's at F-Ball Equity on Twitter. He did an analysis of Chandler Jones with where he lined up with Belichick's defense, and the biggest difference between – part of why he had you know, good production, probably about 12 sacks a year uh, for New England, why he's exploded when Arizona has just been the role he's played in the three, four defense. Uh, he was just lined up inside as a five technique or an interior rusher a whole lot. And since you've seen him move to the outside in Arizona in that three, four, he's just become a different animal. And so, part of it is being able to find players and scheme to be able to fit. And that's something I think the Cardinals have done a good job of doing. Uh, give James Betcher at least some credit for being able to have a good comeback with this week. The team still kind of uh, still struggled with athletic quarterbacks. Blake Bortles ran and has the highest rusher on the day, at least Cardinals either just didn't play contained, but for the most part, uh, you just didn't get to see that complete defensive performance, um, being able to shut down their offense completely. Uh, I, I still think it's kind of an area where even though the defense was great, um, part of it I think is the based on the players. You're getting to see um, Tyron Matthews step up. Uh, when Chandler Jones stepped up, he kind of was invisible a little bit in Houston. Once you have this kind of thing, I think you're starting to see this is a team that can come into 2018 not having to be dependent on their offense to have to go out and win them games, but being able to fill in the holes in some of their defense, be able to bring in a guy like Hassan Reddick in more. Uh, Dan Buchanan will be in a contract year and he's uh, suffered an ankle injury but it's not as severe fortunately for the Cardinals I do think this is a team moving forward you're getting this guy in the prime of his career and if it's going to be about four years or so to make that impact 
Uh, couldn't have come at a better time. This has just been a great move with the Cardinals. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just with um, with Calais Campbell with the Cardinals because um, a lot of people felt like uh, we've already kind of pointed out there was no reason, at least if you're going to head to pick Calais or Chandler, why you would ever pick Calais over Chandler. Chandler was in the prime of his career. He was 26, going on 27 at the time. He's going to be uh, for about the next four or five years at the top of his game. Calais has got a, maybe a few seasons left. Perhaps he's still playing around 35, 36, but it just won't be that same level of impact. Uh, do you think that the Cardinals should have kept Calais Campbell? Maybe you see losses in other areas. Maybe you see a couple of guys go. Uh, do you think the Cardinals should have made a harder effort to retain Calais Campbell? And if they had, do you think they would still be competing uh, like how we had imagined they would come into the season? Or do you think that it's more of – Sometimes you just have to let players walk. You know you're going to take the hits. Um, you know it's going to be a tough one, but it's justified. You can't pay that guy money. Do you think that the Cardinals had a shot of keeping Calais? And if so, was it better to move on? I think that Calais wanted to stay in Arizona, uh, but I think the writing was on the wall with you know the criticism that he got from Bruce Arians, specifically in that 2015 season when he really was a non-factor in a lot of games. We talked about it previously, Blake. Was he playing out of position here? Um, you know, he's played a lot of 4-3 end and has mm -hmm. had, you know, a great amount of success in Jacksonville. So, you know, I thought he was the perfect five technique in a 3-4, um, and he obviously had a lot of dominating years in Arizona. But he's at the playing same a lot of five tech now with the Jags too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, but at yeah. the, same, the same time, the way his career – was trending it was trending down we a lot of us thought he'd played his best football now we didn't think he was going to go and and um, turn into what Malik Jackson has turned into with Jacksonville and that's essentially a non-factor but at the same time we thought you know the pro bowl all pro days were gone and that's been the opposite to his credit he's a serious contender for defensive player of the year on the best defense in the NFL and he's really that captain of the defense uh, he's a tremendous human being. He's beloved within Arizona. So, yeah, it's easy to sit here now and play devil advocate and say, well, you should have known Kim Dietschy couldn't be counted on, or you, you know, maybe you shouldn't have overpaid, if you can call it an overpay, Ty, or Tyron uh, Matthew. Um, you know, you got Mike Ayupati with a big cap hit this year. He's not playing. Jared Valdir's making a lot of money. He's been better as of late, but was brutal to start this season. Carson Palmer's got – one of the highest cap hits in the NFL. He's not playing. So could you have invested better over the last three or four years to allow yourself to re-sign Calais, assuming that was a priority? Sure. But at the same time, you know, I don't think we expect Calais to have this kind of year, at least I don't, moving forward every year. And, you know, the Cardinals are, you know, going to have to go out and find a dominant defensive lineman this offseason. I think there are two main jobs in the offseason other than finding – you know, their future signal caller is to rebuild both lines. And that starts with the defensive line on defense. Somebody like, you know, Sheldon Richardson, somebody like that who's in a contract year, I think would look good with this team. But again, it's going to be ironic. You're going to pay somebody probably what you paid Calais, if not more. The difference is that individual hopefully will be in the prime of his career in his mid to late 20s, whereas Calais was on the other side of 30. And so it was a bet that Steve Keim was willing to make. I don't want to say it's backfired, but at the same time, it's unfortunate he wasn't able to finish his career with the Cardinals and he didn't have his best year with the Cardinals. Um, whether or not I think it would have made a difference this season, 
maybe in one or two games. Maybe they win the Seattle game if Calais is, is healthy. Maybe they win the Houston game. I, I certainly don't think Houston is able to run as well as they did if he plays that game. So, yeah, maybe we're sitting here and, and the Cardinals, instead of being five and six or, you know, seven and four or something like that. But they're not winning, you know, a Super Bowl championship. I don't think they're going to overtake the Rams for the division. So, you know, how much do you want to pay for a wild card playoff berth or a winning season? That's, that's up for debate. Um, but at the same time, the Cardinals still have the oldest roster in the NFL. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Phil Dawson and Andy Lee and Carson Palmer. Again, Mike Upati and Larry Fitzgerald. Calais Campbell's over 30. So I get Steve trying to go younger, but it's almost like talking out of both sides of your mouth. And Blake, we've talked about this. Are you rebuilding? Are you retooling? I hate to use that word rebuild, so I'll re- use retool. Or are you going for a championship? If you're going for a championship, Bruce Arians is really done. Larry's on a year-to-year basis, and Carson's almost done. Wouldn't it make sense to try to keep Calais and, and go for that championship? But I honestly believe, Blake, that this, this front office and coaching staff thought that they could get by with what they had on the defensive line, and Calais had played his best football. Whether or not he's motivated this year, good for him. He got his money. He could have easily gone to Jacksonville and coasted. He's not doing that. He's trying to cement his legacy as maybe a borderline Hall of Famer. Who knows? But uh, I do believe that the front office didn't think that he was capable of having a season like this. Yeah, and even if it was, the the decision was made for the long term with him because if, if you're going to pay him a four-year contract, two years of that at least would be guaranteed. You're still going to be able to pay money on the back end, whereas Chandler Jones is brought in to be dominant now and for the next few years. We might still be looking at Chandler Jones in a Cardinals uniform after Calais has hung it up. Uh, I think that that's kind of the biggest thing with Steve Kime is that you're not going to win them all. Uh, we saw a lot of the Cardinals free agents uh, walk this last year. I think it was all five of the starters. The good news is when you're looking at rebuilding the offensive and defensive line, they at least have some pieces that you'll be able to build around. Like you got to see the the Jaguars um, team tried to run the ball. You've got plenty of depth guys. Pierre Olsen had a good – or Olsen Pierre, excuse me, had a good game. Uh, The Cardinals defense has been at least very well disciplined ever since going back to the Ray Horton days. Their defensive line has been solid. I don't think it's going to take that much to be able to really do much either. You're going to need Kandiche to step up in a big way or just going out and kind of using some of that money to bring in that impact player. Corey Peters has been a great player this season, but he's just not that impact player that can kind of, when you the chips are down and being able to rush forward, the Cardinals are able to do that in this game. You won't be able to do that against most offensive lines, though. Uh, as for the offensive line with that rebuild, we've talked and discussed about this. If the Cardinals do decide to move along with Blaine Gabbert next year, uh, whether Palmer comes back or not, if they move to Blaine Gabbert and draft a rookie, you're going to have some cap space. You'll have the ability to maybe, whether it's bring back Jared Vildier if he wants to play again, he's playing at a high level. Uh, offensive line is one of the easier things you can fix in the NFL. Sometimes it can be costly. We've seen Steve Kime invest uh, basically almost like the equivalent of four first-round picks onto the line. Uh, but when you make that investment, you can have that turnaround be really quick. We've seen it with the Rams. We saw it with the Cowboys with how they turned around quickly. Now they've also been struggling without their best offensive linemen. And we're seeing it this year also with the Philadelphia Eagles, who've uh, had just a tremendous turnaround really quickly. And all these guys are starting second-year quarterbacks. I think the Cardinals are in a position where you take a look at the team, how it's structured, how it's built. If Steve Kahn makes the right moves, this could be a team that turns around pretty quickly. Uh, next we've got uh, the bird game blitz we'll take another break when we come back we're going to be going over our rams preview at least uh, the team is right now at a five and six record a little unexpected maybe for some would predicted a five and eleven season after carson palmer went down uh, 
are we going to talk playoffs? No, we're not going to talk playoffs, but we will preview the Rams game after this. We'll see you in just a few. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. And welcome back to the Bird Gang Blitz. Uh, let's go and talk a little bit now about uh, just with the team at five and six. We've got some of their upcoming schedule with games against the Rams. Going to play Seattle at the end of the year. You've got a lot of a lot of games at home, but a lot of out of division games. John. Let's at least just ask the question. We're pretty sure the Cardinals, there's no way they can make the playoffs, even at a 9-7, and seven, if that gets you in. You'd have to win either 5-1 and one down the stretch, or you'd have to basically only lose one game. This team's not making the playoffs. But what do we think is a realistic uh, kind of expectation for the Cardinals this year? Is this going to be like a 7-8 win team? Are we going to see maybe more of this be a 6-7 or seven win team? Uh, what do you think about this? And then let's get into the Rams game on Sunday to close out our time today. Yeah, I think this team probably has one or two more victories up their sleeve. I think, you know, seven and nine sounds a lot better than six and ten because it's not double-digit losses. Obviously, eight and eight, five hundred season um, would be would be nice, especially a build on momentum for for twenty eighteen. Uh, I always, you know, it's twofold when you th- when you talk about losing games not on purpose, but rooting for losses as a fan to improve your draft status, and at the same time you don't want these young guys in Arizona to get accustomed to losing. And you like the fact that you're having success with the Ricky Seals Jones and the Buda Bakers um, and they're leading the victories. That's, that's great to see. So I have no, you know, no qualms about trying to get as many wins as we can. um, Even though it hurts the Cardinals opportunity to cement themselves as a player for, you know, Josh Rosen or, or Sam Darnold. Uh, As far as the rest of the schedule goes, I think they're going to be competitive against the Rams this week. I think the Rams had a big emotional win against um, New Orleans this past week at home. Um, So I think that they're going to have a chance to not necessarily knock off the Rams, but be in that game for most of the, the entire contest for the first three quarters, at least again, they play different at home. The Rams have always played spoiler on the Cardinal seasons, not necessarily knocking them off in the win or in the loss column, but you know, they've injured, Carson Palmer twice. They've injured Larry Fitzgerald. Um, so it'd be interesting to see the energy that, that's going to come out, especially against after that week showing against the Rams in London. I would imagine they're going to play significantly better. Um, I think they have a chance to, to beat the Titans at home. The Titans, to me, are uh, our fringe playoff team in the AFC. The AFC is the weaker conference. There's no question about that. Uh, at Redskins will be difficult. The Giants at home. Uh, you're going to get either Geno Smith or Davis Webb. That should be a victory. And then at Seahawks to end the season, stranger things have happened, and that Seattle defense is not what it was. 
Um, but I suspect that Seattle's going to need that win to uh, get into the playoffs. But, hey, if they've already locked up their playoff spot and they're sitting people, uh, that could be an opportunity for the Cardinals to go in and get maybe their seventh or eighth victory of the season. But I'm going to say they win two of their next five and end the season seven and nine. And uh, that's going to put them probably in the neighborhood of the 14th or 15th overall pick, um, which, again, maybe is going to push you out of, you know, obviously the Darnold and Rosen sweepstakes. But it's going to be in striking distance, I think, for a Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson. I think a lot of teams, not to get off topic, will be, you know, enticed by Baker Mayfield's ability. But I think he's going to be a tough sell for any, any personnel office to sell to their owner with a top 10 pick. Uh, but 15, 16, that's kind of a sweet spot that I see for him right now. Yeah, that's kind of where the Cardinals are. I mean, like for right now, we'll, we'll be getting more into the draft next week as far as looking at needs. I think that after this week, it'll be, uh, we won't be able to talk about playoffs anymore. If the Cardinals do manage to win that game and get back to 500, well, maybe that changes everything. If this, is able, this team is able to go out at home and be a solid Rams team. But I, I think when it comes down to it, you're going to be looking at um, – a season that is going to be kind of the Cardinals when they came in were probably about a nine and seven team with Carson Palmer, maybe more of an eight and eight team. A lot of times teams are who they are. Sometimes you'll get surprises that are going to be popping up or you'll see kind of mid season collapses. It's just the ebb and flow of the game. Kansas city, you've seen it come off to a hot start looking like a super bowl contender. And now they've just flopper fans are calling for Patrick Mahomes to start in that area. Cardinals have had a turnaround here. I do think that they'll pick up maybe one, uh, potentially two games. Uh, we're pretty sure just based on reports, it is going to be Davis Webb uh, who will be starting that game um, with Eli Manning getting benched. Uh, the team is just kind of giving Geno Smith the first go at it. Honestly, very similar to what the Cardinals did with Drew Stanton. I do think that both teams are eventually going to move to see what they have in their young players. And we'll see where it goes from there. The Giants at least have been a much more competitive team down the stretch. Um, but again, when you look at the home team, the team has their toughest part of the schedule coming up. Uh, but they've actually been able to show some life, and they've shown that they've got quite a few home games. They're going to be competitive at home. I think that this is a team that's going to probably end up with that 7-9 record, although 6-10 and 10 really wouldn't surprise me, uh, just because you're going to be looking at a lot of the teams they are playing are going to be playoff teams coming at, or teams vying for a playoff spot with the Redskins. Uh, even looking at an AFC team like the Titans going back and forth with the Jaguars, and they've got a much, much more talented offense in Arizona. Maybe not as well coached, but much more talented. Let's talk about this Rams game coming up because I, I do agree with you that the Cardinals are going to be a much more competitive this time around. Uh, it's a home game. The Cardinals are, I believe, I looked at a stat that they're 1-15 uh, since that, uh, that Lincoln Field night. Retiring Matthew tore his ACL and Carson Palmer uh, had basically a busted finger that may have cost the Cardinals a Super Bowl chance. That We never said that was the case, but it's been kind of seen ever since with his stats. Ever since then, with that 1-15, it's just been an awful road record. But at home, they've been pretty consistent. Uh, up until last year, they first started kind of dropping home games. This year, they kind of lost their back-to-back -back games. Uh, I, let's talk a little bit about what the Rams, because this has been a healthy team. They got to see Josh Reynolds, the other Texas A&M product. Um, very similar to Ricky Seals-Jones. He wasn't utilized a ton. He did catch 14 touchdowns one year. Um, still a Texas A&M record. Uh, they've kind of had a, a great, great play, not just from Jared Goff, but also from their head coach, Sean McVay. Uh, this is just some of the news that came out this week was about how he's adapting to his quarterback. He coddles and gets them up to the line real quick and then audibles in what Jared Goff should call at the line into his headset. Uh, it's just kind of a way of what Goff may not have the ability yet to be able to go through and make those audibles to make those calls. Uh, he may never end up getting that total ability some guys in the NFL just don't have that like with Carson Wentz to remember everything but 
just the way they've been coached has been so well done. It's really going to be hard to stop them after they beat a brutal Saints D, uh, offense uh, with the running game that's been punishing, uh, even though they are missing their best defender in Marshawn Lattimore. What do you think is going to be kind of the Cardinals game? Is this a game that you think that they've got a shot of winning? Are we be talking about a 6-6 six and six Cardinals team? Or do you think it's going to be trending a little closer to that 33-0 uh, shutout that we saw last time in London? I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to the London game because, again, I think the Cardinals have too much pride when they play in front of the home crowd. Uh, I don't expect them to win this game just because of how deadly the Rams' offense is, and I can't believe I'm saying that. You know, McVay has completely turned <laughs> this team around, their their identity around, and uh, they've become the best offense in football with essentially a bunch of spare parts in Todd Gurley. Early. Everybody was ready to ride off Jared Goff. Sammy Watkins, they couldn't ship him out of town fast enough from Buffalo. Robert Woods was essentially kind of viewed as a draft bust coming out of USC and, again, came from uh, the Buffalo Bills and has had a resurgence. They get Cooper Cup late. He's been a phenomenal slot receiver for them. And then Gurley has gone back to being one of the better running backs in football. Uh, and it really kind of overshadows what I knew was probably going to come regardless of the offense – but a defense led by Wade Phillips that has just been relentless these last couple of weeks. Robert Quinn has settled into his role now. The Aaron Donald's the best defender in football. Uh, their linebackers are probably their biggest liability defensively, specifically against the run. We saw what Alvin Kamara did to them last week. I still think you can run on this team if you get to the second level. But at the same time, we know those guys can hit. They can move sideline to sideline. They have tremendous length and speed. Ogletree. Uh, is a guy who I loved coming out of Georgia. And then their secondary, Tremaine Johnson, is, is a true number one corner. So this team, on paper, has very few weaknesses. They've got the best kicker in Zerline in all football. They've got a tremendous punter. They can play small ball, ball control, field control um, with their defense. But now with an offense that just drains you in the fourth quarter, I, I believe they leave, league, leave, lead the league in plays run in the fourth quarter where they just drain the clock out. Um, and I watched that entire Saints game from a week ago with the Rams, and, you know, the Saints really were never in that game. Even though they had, you know, a couple plays with Kamara and Breeze never got going, uh, Mark Ingram never got going, the passing game for New Orleans was non-existent. The Rams dominated that entire game, and I'll give them credit. You know, not only is this a first-year coaching staff, but they're not, they're not playing in front of big crowds in Los Angeles. They're doing this on pride and momentum, and they uh, less need deserves probably – a talk of executive of the year because he's been able to reshape this roster and hire two of the better coaches he could have in McVay and Wade Phillips. So I'm going to give you my score prediction. I think the Cardinals keep it close again for three and a half quarters or so. I think they put up a couple touchdowns uh, and they have, you know, solid momentum at home, but I think inevitably they lose this game somewhere in the neighborhood of about 27, 21, I think is what I'll go with. Yeah, I've got it being like a 31-24 for the game. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, an area where you'll see a little bit more offensive performance with Gabbert. Uh, I think that you'll end up seeing the Rams. and They've got Aaron Donald. It's going to be motivating, uh, motivational time, although there are times I do know just from the past of how when you crush a team, sometimes you can overlook them coming in, especially when it's a road game. So I'm not afraid of saying that this may be a trap game for St. Louis, uh, especially coming out of Arizona's emotional high from last week. Um, perhaps it is something that you'll end up seeing if maybe the Cardinals will get to six and six and we start talking about a great game from Blaine Gabbert. But I do think that there's a big dig difference between the Rams offense and the Jaguars offense. 
Uh, the Jaguars' defense didn't play their best game. Uh, I think that they struggled a little bit on the road. Uh, maybe it was just the Arizona Cardinals making some great adjustments. Uh, but I do think this is going to be a game that the Rams are going to take. Um, one thing before we get out of here is just taking a look at with we've talked a little bit about the Rams' offense, and I think it is important to at least note um, just the success that their uh, offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, has had. He worked with RG3's rookie season. Um, they worked together with McVay with the quarterbacks, and he's got Jared Goff playing at a Pro Bowl level this year. I think that uh, LaFleur is a kind of a guy we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, the quarterback coach for the Eagles uh, and John DeFilippo. We've talked about LaFleur. If this is the case where Bruce Arians retires, do you think that this is kind of the route that they should pursue as more of this kind of young, up-and-coming offensive coordinator? Are you going to be looking for kind of keeping it within, looking at maybe a guy like Byron Leftwich, maybe look at Harold Goodwin giving him a shot? Do you think the Cardinals should kind of go outside the organization look for kind of a young hot name or is this kind of a team where you're going to start to see the Bruce Arians coaching tree take over whenever Bruce steps down just kind of keep that train rolling what's your thought on that before we head out for tonight oh they should absolutely look outside the organization I don't think you know with respect to the coaches they do have anybody on this on this staff is ready to be a head coach in this league uh if if they were they would have already been hired by now uh I don't think they're going to get too many job interviews after this season uh, considering that the Cardinals are going to end up with a losing record, most likely. Uh, Bruce Arians is, is a once-in-a-lifetime you know, play caller. He's had you know, all the experience in the world you want from a head coach. Uh, but, again, you need to look outside this organization, assuming Bruce you know, calls it a career. You need to make sure it's on the offset, offensive side. You need to make sure that Kime and whomever this coach is, whether it's you know, somebody from Philadelphia staff or somebody from you know, Pittsburgh, if you want to bring back Todd Haley, I'd be all for that, uh, that he and Kime are on the same page with the quarterback that you do select in April's draft. Um, but again, I, I'm not impressed with Leftwich. I'm not impressed with Harold Goodwin in terms of, you know, their ability to call plays. I think that that would kind of be a cop-out move for this franchise. I think that this is what the Cardinals would do, you know, 20 years ago uh, would be a promotion from within. But again, you see the teams that transition from, you know, great coaches when Tomlin got the job, he wasn't on you know, the previous staff and, um, you know, there's nobody like a Josh McDaniels calling plays for this team. And so it's, it's easy to say that, you know, the best bet, at least in my opinion, is to go outside the organization and, and please, please make it an offensive hire. This is an offensive league. The teams that are succeeding right now out, outside of Minnesota are doing so because they have head coaches who specialize Definitely. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting with Byron left, which uh, I think that if Bruce Arians had his way, he'd probably be looking at this team turning over to left, in a few years, I think. And I've talked to this with, uh, I even had some Jaguars fans reach out that they do think that he's had a fast rise. He might be someone who's going to be a quality head coach someday, but this is a guy who still hasn't even been an offensive coordinator yet. This is a guy who was playing quarterback until just a few years ago. And it's just only just even younger than Carson Palmer. I think that if you have Arians come back for another year and you do go out, you draft that rookie quarterback, maybe then it's after the fact that you'll be able to turn it over. But I think right now, if this is going to be it for Bruce Arians, I think that you already have the infrastructure that's ready to go in here. I think you bring in that head coach, um, do what the Rams did, bring in that veteran defensive coordinator. I think that James Betcher has kind of proven this year with just how the zone that they play that he, he just needs to go. Yeah, great point, Blake. And you know, Blake and I talk, you know, weekly and he brought up the fact that Vic, Vic Fangelo is probably not going to be retained in Chicago, assuming they clean house. I think that'd be, you know, the perfect 
transition coordinator for the Cardinals to bring in. He's got you know, experience within this division. You know, he had one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the NFL with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. Seamless transition, runs a 3-4, really has done a nice job with a Bears team that on paper does not have a lot of talent. So when John Fox is fired at the end of the season, assuming he's fired, I'm hoping that he's not snatched up too quickly and the Cardinals are able to at least bring him in for an interview because I love that formula of, of a young offensive mind and a veteran. Oh, yeah, no the, no question about it. The biggest question, at least, will be just wondering how far outside the organization they'll go if Bruce Arians is still the coach. And for that matter, if Bruce Arians ends up having to let go of, uh, you know, <laughs> having to let go of his buddy or if having to let go of one of his coaches and James Betcher, is he going to want to bring in another guy with Fangio who's going to maybe see things differently? I, I don't know. We still have a lot of questions to answer. Uh, I think a lot of things are going to be pretty clear because you'll start seeing either it's going to be continuing to be Arian's team, continue to be him and Kai making these cardinal decisions. And we've seen in the past, those worked out well. They're able to build up the team in 2013 from almost nothing, but if Arians does retire. I think that this is honestly an opportune time for the Cardinals to be able to go out and get some talented guys. Fangio is runs a three, four defense. He'd be a perfect fit for Chandler Jones of the scheme. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that they've got John Fox, who he's kind of almost in a lot of ways, the new Jeff Fisher in terms of when you look at his quarterbacks and what he's done with how limited they've been offensively and how, how really boring most of his offenses are. Fangio is a guy who's not going to stick around with that. He's not going to be in Chicago. He's not going to be up for head coaching opportunities. I think that maybe that'll be a name that you'll start hearing more and more uh, as far as for defensive coordinator opportunities, especially if Arizona starts drifting towards this pattern where you're starting to recognize that maybe with health or whatever reason, Bruce Arians just isn't going to be back next year. But Still got a long season to go. We still got this game against the Rams and then a couple more left after that. So we'll see what happens with the Cardinals moving forward. All right, uh, next week we'll be back in here. We'll be doing into a little bit more draft talk and quarterback talk, uh, especially if the Cardinals lose and drop down to having seven losses on the season. That's going to be kind of the final ceiling for that because you're not going to be able to really kind of delude yourself into <laughs> being able to think that this team is going to be a playoff team. Hey, if we're talking about a Cardinals winning back to 500, then that's going to be just another <laughs> great topic to get into as far as for the, I guess, the rise of Blaine Gabbert. Uh, John, before we head out, uh, where can they find you on Twitter if they want to talk or, you know, spout out kind of a, a hot take at you? Yes, I love the hot takes, and I love getting in arguments with NFL and Cardinal fans alike about my strong opinions, specifically dealing with <laughs> you know, quarter, upcoming quarterback classes and whatnot. But you follow me at Johnny's Football, J-O-H-N-N-Y-S, football, all one word, no numbers or anything like that. Straightforward and easy. Yeah, and you can follow me at BlakeMurphy7. Make sure you do follow the Bird Gang Blitz podcast as well. Uh, I know we are on iTunes. Make sure that you like and subscribe us. Uh, leave those five-star comments. We or the five-star ratings. We love those five-star ratings. Uh, if you have less than a five-star rating, at least like that, well, you know, tell us what you want us to improve, right? I mean, we're, we're just yeah, we're not going to be too open to improving. No, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing to improve. No, we love what we do. Uh, this is just great. We're just happy for all you listeners. Thank you again for supporting us so much uh, week in and week out for you guys. Uh, it's been great. Uh, we'll also have this up on Revenge of the Birds as well going up on uh, Friday. Should be probably the time that you guys will hear that. Um, but, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing a good Cardinals game. It's a division game. Uh, have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next time. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. 
MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.